0: So, Michelle, we all know you have the best tips, but look, you can't possibly be everywhere to help everyone. That's where an authorized Disney vacation planner can be a lifesaver. And luckily for you, we just
1: happen to know the best. That's Nate, of course, from Main Street and more travel. Oh, yeah. Nate is the best. And with things changing at the parks, resorts, and, of course, the high seas all the time, it's so hard to keep up even for me well that's not true yeah but Nate is always right on top of every move Disney makes so he can help you have the best vacation ever oh for sure if you're
0: looking to visit Walt Disney World Disneyland sail the seas on Disney Cruise Line or even explore anywhere in the world beyond Disney our friend Nate from Main Street and more travel can help
1: make your vacation dreams come true no question sweetie and if you've listened to our show for any time at all You know we're big fans of high-end experiences, and that's just what you get when you work with Nate. He'll give you concierge-level vacation planning services, but at no additional cost to you or your family. Heck, You may even
0: save money if discounts become available, because Nate is always looking to make sure you
1: get the best deal possible. And did we mention all of this comes at no extra cost to you? That's because it's Disney that pays Nate for all that top-notch service he provides so
0: you don't have to. So if you're looking for the best person to plan your magical vacation, just go to more.com Fill out the form on the website to get the process rolling on your next fabulous trip with Nate. And be sure to tell him Tom
1: and Michelle sent you. ¶¶
0: Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my wonderful, gorgeous, <laughs> extremely intelligent, very hardworking Disney anniversary celebration, love and wife and co-host, Michelle.
1: Yeah.
0: Hi, everybody. Thank you, sweetie. Maybe it would be better if I said Disney history, love and wife. Yeah. Disney research, love it, and
1: It Life. is the anniversary of the hundred years. That's
0: true. So... You're Whatever. In the path. Yeah, I kind of make this thing up as I go and they're no, no, not always really? they're not always a hit. <laughs> so
1: that one may have been a little bit of a whiff. It may have been a foul tip. Something like uh, no, that. I don't I know. I love the spontaneity there. Anyway.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: we're off to a roaring start. So good to have you with
0: us. We are recording this episode on Saturday, January twenty first. 2023. Oh, if you only knew what was going on behind the scenes. (laughs) Uh, This episode is actually dropping on Sunday, January 22nd, 2023. That's actually because I have to work on Sunday. Well, I actually had to work today, Uh, but I also have to work tomorrow and we want to get the episode out to you. And plus, as soon as I get off work tomorrow, we are heading out for our second trip within a little over a week span mm-hmm. to Epcot for the Epcot International Festival of the
1: Arts. Yeah, we didn't get enough food and Apparently beverage not. the first time, Apparently but there's just so not. many great offerings. And, you know, you just can't get enough of the chocolate sipping. I know Sipping chocolates. Yep. The, the symphony is what they call well, it.
0: Yes. yes. Because it's not just the sipping chocolate. It's also the sipping chocolate <laughs> with some cordials invi- involved in it as well. Sharing that with everybody. <laughs> everybody knows already. Everybody <laughs> already knows. Uh, thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, Podcast.com. And while you're there, uh, we'd love you to subscribe. For our podcast and our newsletter. Yes, we love you anyway, but yes, please subscribe to the podcast and please subscribe to the newsletter because it's all full of Michelle ness. She does <laughs> such a great job with that
1: newsletter, and you really will want to check it out. And I appreciated that uh, listener Tom, not you, but listener because I don't listen. <laughs> actually, found that we still had our old an old address in our. I didn't even okay. know we had an address in the newsletter. I know, neither we did I. Did it for I. years. Had yeah. no idea that we had an address in so, the newsletter. Anyways, thank you for taking notice and sharing that with so us. For all
0: of you, those of you who got the newsletter and were trying to hunt us down, well, we're not at that address anymore. <laughs> we're not anymore. in San Diego.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're in Florida. Well, good luck. you didn't already know
0: that, <laughs> wow, what a start we were off to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Also, a great way to be involved in this show is on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventures Facebook group. Also, we do have a YouTube channel. Big things coming from the YouTube channel, I really do believe. Uh, If you want to find us there, just... Do a quick search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Hit subscribe there. You know whenever we have whenever we have a new video. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We do love hearing from you. <laughs> also, if you want to, you know, pick up some of our merchandise, get some of our logo, some of our swag, and wear it around to the parks, or maybe just around to your own park or your neighborhood, whatever it might be, to your work. Hey, you know. Why not? Right. Where are your Hyperion adventures podcast pajamas right to work we fully (laughs) endorse it for sure uh you can go to our spreadshirt shop uh you can just go to spreadshirt.com and do a search for Hyperion Adventures podcast or maybe even easier than that is go to any of our profile pages on our social media accounts there you'll find a Linktree account and amongst all the links there will be one directly to our
1: spreadshirt shop yeah and we'd love for you to share a picture of what you got maybe with our Facebook group Yes, please do. Or on do. Other, any, or Anywhere. You can or send whatever. us to the
0: Gmail account, whatever. Yeah. Uh, we would love to see if you if you are sporting some of our logo gear, our hashtag real men love frozen yeah. gear. Or I'm headed to our Iberian Adventureland yeah. or just a this knows, standard might be logo. Who a prize. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who
1: knows? Spontaneity.
0: Who knows? Who knows what Michelle has cooked up in the universe? You just never know. It's scary. You never, you never
1: want to go into that. Yeah. <laughs> you dip into it every week. <laughs>
0: That's why you keep coming back, isn't it? It's definitely not for me.
1: It's not for you? No. Oh, I see. You what don't you said. come back to listen I, to me. I thought you were trying to say that. Me, and, uh, and there my, it
0: is. another jaunt into the mind of Michelle right there. You just heard it. Candid. That's
1: why you keep coming back,
0: for sure. For sure. Uh, Before we get into this week's show, you know we always like to take a look back at the week that was because, you know, it twists, it turns, it dips, it comes, it falls. But we always like to get those high points as the things we like to talk about because this is the show of positivity. So we like to look at the positive things that happened in the week and we call it our favorite thing from this week. And when we do this, well, we need to get back into the mind of Michelle right away (laughs) because she does the best research. You're about to hear that. She has the best list. You've heard that in other episodes. You know she has the best tips. You'll hear that on every episode, (laughs) but she's bound to have the best, my favorite thing from this week. So Michelle, what was your favorite thing from this week?
1: Uh, Well, my favorite thing of this week was something that we got to do uh, together and with my sister and brother-in-law is we went on a casino cruise a, a nighttime casino cruise yes. that just went out for a couple hours or several hours but it was a blast and it was it was a lot of fun to do never have done that before great visiting with them and getting to do that we had uh, pretty good weather so all in all it was fabulous
0: it was fun and we came out ahead which is always helps it make it yeah. be a better trip i thank mean thank you for
1: Making that happen. (laughs) It wasn't a lot ahead, but
0: hey, it was ahead. So that's a good thing. Also, it was kind of, we did this as a celebration because um, it's between your sister and brother-in-law and myself, we all have birthdays this month. As a matter of fact, that night was your sister's birthday. Right. So we all went out and had a little fun. Yes. Here at Port Canaveral, they do have a little boat that goes out and sails for about four or five hours, a couple times a day. And it has a casino on there and they just kind of sail around outside, you know, the inter- into international
1: waters, right. so you
0: can gamble legally. And it's, it's fun. It's yeah. just kind yeah, of fun. It's yeah.
1: fun. And you know, just, being around, you know, family is, yeah. is awesome. Yeah, we had a great
0: time with them. We drove yeah. out there with them, drove back with them. It was a really
1: late night for me. <laughs>
0: you uh, did well. But uh, we really had a good time. And yeah. yeah, and that was my favorite thing from this week as well.
1: Oh, very cool. Yeah, that was a great time. Yeah. Really enjoyed that very much. Yeah.
0: Uh, we did get a My Favorite Thing from this week from one of our listeners, Scott in Minnesota. Speaking of cruises, Scott in Minnesota we're going to be seeing you in just a little over a week on our disney wish cruise can't wait to meet up with you and your lovely wife and your daughter that's gonna be exciting Uh, anyway uh he wrote in my favorite thing from this week is my daughter's high school choir singing the national anthem at the timberwolves game on thursday night they did such a great job and i'm so happy that she got this unique experience that i'm sure she will remember for the rest of her life he shared some pictures of that uh on our hyperion event for his Facebook. Right. It looked really great.
1: Yeah, so awesome and and thank you Scott for sharing your family's um enjoyment and special special time right yeah it looked it looks spectacular and that's yeah. gotta be yeah it's
0: gotta be a, a almost a dream come true for your daughter that's right amazing uh, he also added on as a bonus i ran into an old co-worker of mine and tom's yes i used to work with uh, scott mm-hmm. uh, back in the days in san diego alan horton who has been doing the radio call for the timberwolves for over a decade now he says hi
1: Nice. So, yeah, Alan Horton, <laughs>
0: we worked at the same station, me and, uh, me and Scott, uh, back in San Diego. He was one of our, uh, he, he did host some shows, but he mostly did sports updates. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went on to, now has been a great career doing a play-by-play call for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. I'm glad to hear Alan's doing well. Yes. Um, he's a great guy. Really nice guy. Exactly. Yes. Anyway, let's move on to this week's stuff. I have lots of stuff for you this week, including we have dates for arguably the most beautiful Epcot festival. We'll (laughs) tell you about that. Speaking of Epcot, you may notice a change the next time you drive Mm -hmm. to, if you drive to visit the park. Uh, Also, Disney Cruise Line shared a few more details about their big anniversary celebration. And a couple of guest favorite character meetups are set to return to the Walt Disney World Resort. Boy, I'm having a really tough time yeah. talking today. Ah, oh, so glad we recorded a portion of this podcast yesterday. <laughs> Let's get to that portion of the podcast. Let's get to our main topic of the week. Michelle we started this series a couple months ago or so and unfortunately we had to take a little break for it not unfortunately because we did some exciting stuff brought on some wonderful guests that kind of made us postpone this next episode but I'm so excited to get back to our Disney at 100 series because you know Michelle does the best research and this is going to be fantastic. It always is. I always learn so much. And I'm mm. looking forward to learning more about the first 100 years of the Walt Disney Company. Michelle, tell the listeners what we're talking about today.
1: Okay. Well, um, it's interesting because as I was doing research, now you let's go back to the last one, first of all. That was, you know, around the 1920s and 30s when the company was pretty new. A lot of new uh Innovations happening. Um, the company really benefited by getting connected with a guru for marketing, combining that with Walt's exceptional reputation, bringing great revenue sources. Um, then the release of Snow White, which was super successful. Heard of that one. Yeah, right. So, you know, I, I was like, okay, where do we go from here? Where did the company go from there? Because you're like, okay. They got the money coming now. Things are looking good. So it's got to be blue skies from there on out, right? Of course.
0: <laughs> Why would I mean, come on, to get where we are today. It's been nothing but sunshine and rainbows right. and happiness.
1: Right. Well, we'll see. But actually kind of getting back to your question of what we're going to we're going to talk about some of the things that were happening um, in the world that were influencing the company, uh, and, and what changes that brought about. Um, it was funny because I also, during that, so looking at like the 1940s and 50s, you know, and, and looking at that time frame too, there was some amazing new uh, animators who were hired, um, and other talented sculptors, and and some some well-known, but some less well-known, but really had impactful um, things that they contributed to the company. But I can't fit it all in. So that, at least we have in our pocket now, good content for another episode. There we go. Yes,
0: this is a series, so we're going to have many chances to revisit that. And, uh, you know, if Michelle found research and thought it was worthy (laughs) of possibly being an episode, you know, it's got to be great. Uh. So we're looking forward to Hearing that stuff, but let's focus on today. What do we got today? Okay,
1: so we're going to look at, like I said, things that impacted decisions for the company and, you know, things that made the company move forward um, despite what some other things were happening. Um, You know, things like a a world war were happening, you know, the Goodwill tour to South America, Mm -hmm. Walt's father passed away, there was an animator strike. And yes, again, company financial crisis. But again, as we've seen in the past, all these things helped influence the company to develop new projects and new techniques and really move things forward. Um, I originally looked at trying to do this as a timeline and present a timeline, but there was so much stuff happening like parallel to each other that it was gonna be really confusing. So it, it just seemed to flow better if we did it more in chunks of topics. Okay. All right? Uh, but I wanna start with kind of a fun little story or fun fact, I guess. It's just very minor, but it, to me, it, it kinda made me chuckle. Um, going back it, you know, into the this time period when there was early work being done on Bambi, uh, now they didn't have their new studio yet, so they were still in the Hyperion studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have heard, heard of that, that name yes as well. um but actually the animators working on bambi were put into an annex building on stewart street or seaward street um and and the artists actually joked about feeling like outcasts in this annex now they actually were became one of the ones who first got into the new studio but at that time they did feel like outcasts and it kind of reminded me of something that happened Uh, later in the company's history that is actually shown in a documentary, Waking Sleeping Beauty.
0: Right. The story of the Renaissance, the Disney Renaissance in the uh,
1: late 80s, early 90s. Right. And what was happening with the artists then? Well, I mean,
0: we know the animation building at the Burbank Walt Disney Mm -hmm. uh, Company Studios. Um, That was their home for the longest time. And they kind of got... Well, put off into another area because they didn't feel this is in waking sleep of beauty right. in the Renaissance period, right before the Renaissance period. Right, they didn't feel like um, maybe Disney animation isn't necessarily the next thing. Like right. you know, maybe we'll still keep making these movies, but that's not the future of the company. Right. So they pushed them off into a different location for a, a, a quite a period of time right. there right. to use those offices, use
1: those studios. To do more of the live action type right, things. Right. Yeah. So, but it is interesting how, you know, back in the early history of the company, at one point the animators were, you know, feeling kind of left out. And then, but then the, you know, the new Burbank studio came about and they were put into a better locations. Yeah, they so. put into a brand new animation building right, eventually. Right. Yeah. So, but, anyways. That's not really the main topics of today. I just thought it was an interesting little parallel story right. that the company, you know, experienced again. But let's get in the more prominent, like just before World War II. Um, in 1940, so World War II was 1941, just to kind of put a, a perspective. For, for the United States. For the United States, yes. yeah. So in 1990, though, um, you know, things were already kind of, issues going on in the world and everything. So the U S government formed this um, new post and they started going to um, you know, the, the people in Hollywood and trying to get them entice them to go to Latin American countries or to fill uh, feature Latin American themes into their films, in, you know, in a positive light as part of this good neighbor program. And really the intent was because of the concern that Nazis were influencing Uh, in uh, more and more into South America. And they wanted to, you know, bolster some of the America as a positive influence in South America. So that's what they were trying to do. And they really weren't getting a lot of successes. So by the spring of 1941, actually, they approached Walt and said, hey, we'd like you to try to do this. And they actually kind of um, more directed him saying, look, we really want you to go there as doing research and maybe doing some films, um, you know. So, uh, well, maybe wasn't quite on board initially with that, but, you know, the concept that they were going to um, really underwrite the trip, he thought this would be what's best for the studios as well. And, you know, um, as we know from later down the road where there was some funding for the, through the World's Fair, Walt was going to try to gain something out of this that would help his company. And, and as we know, it did. It produced uh, two great movies. Now, I'm not going to really talk about the Goodwill um, trip here because there's already been, we've talked about it in the past. There's a great documentary on Disney Plus of Walt and El Grupo. Um, you know so we don't want to spend a lot of time here but just to understand what was kind of going on with the company at, at that time and that they they did take on this this opportunity that was presented to them and as a result ended up with several trips um but it did take its toll on Walt you know he was such the highlight feature of that group that was going on that he had to be the one meeting with all the dignitaries and all the parties that were going on and this is during the same time that he actually receives two pieces of not so great news Um, and the most sad obviously is the passing of his father and um, after deliberation Walt decided he was going to stay with the tour and complete that Um, the other thing that came out of that was a notification to him by Roy that the animator strike had resolved, but it wasn't considered as favorable for the studios as they had hoped. Um, So again, this is the kind of stuff Walt's trying to do something, you know, somewhat patriotic for the government and still trying to get something to help his studio, but it's really not the most joyous situation for him.
0: Yeah, I could see where it would be. I mean, there's some big struggles going on right there. Yeah. I mean, uh, it'd be tough for anybody um, in any place in the world, but much less, you know, traveling to, you know, uh, distant lands. Right. Essentially, at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a lot of people from the U.S. were traveling to South America right. regularly. Right, at that, Not that... Uh, people didn't from the U.S. travel to South America or vice versa. It right. uh, just wasn't as widespread. It, it was not as easy to get there as it, it was in the past. So, you know, you're, you're in this this land yeah. and, um, you know, these, these things are happening around you and um, yeah. it, it can't
1: be easy. Right. And you got to keep a positive face and everything like that. So it's something, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, it's just something that, you know, weighed on him you know, and, you know, eventually he did come back. And like I said, um, you know, working towards coming up with some films as a result of that. Um, I do think it's important to mention the animator strike because of some of the the things of how it ended up influencing the company, um, and outcomes of the company, obviously not going to get into the issues or politics of the strike. Um, I understand, you know, working for a company that during my time there, there was um, four potential strikes that were going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I know how that is, is difficult all the way around for all. So I, I do recognize that. And, and again, feeling like thinking, what was Walt and Roy's frame of mind during all of this stuff? It's it's all just really tough times, you know? So, But one of the main things that came out of the strike is is, and during that period, is losing a lot of employees. And so, um, you know, you have this new studio um, and you don't have as many of the employees. So you have to start to cut back on some of the projects you had planned and, and shelve them for a while. So that starts putting them behind the eight ball in terms of what are they going to be able to release. And then in December of that year, Pearl Harbor's bombed, and now the U.S. is brought into the war. And so um, the, the work of the studios really ended up shifting. Well, first of all, on that same day, Walt gets a phone call saying, hey, the Army's taken over the studios. We're going to be coming in there and, and using that, that space. And, you know, as we've talked about in some of the past episodes, Walt felt a real patriotic duty, to provide some services as well so you know they were doing a lot of things whether it was um, flyers pamphlets educational films comical things to help the troops they were doing like 90 percent of their work for the this effort and doing it at cost Mm -hmm. so really starting to have some issues with where's money going to be coming in so he was pretty worried. Walt was, well, and of course, uh, Roy was worried. So um, what they decided to do was, I thought was pretty ingenious, right? And, and I think that's the thing about Walt and Roy. They're like, yes, they're going to meet up with challenges, but what are they going to do about it? Yeah,
0: there's a problem here. How do we uh, attack it and, and fix it? And, right. And, and, and make
1: it the best situation possible. Yes. Well, and the other thing I forgot to mention is that with the war, a third more of his employees were drafted. Mm-hmm. So again, really depleting the workforce for him. So what they decided to do is they had the uh, Navy and Army uh, officers invite the draft board to visit the studio, so that they could see the studios isn't any longer just like making Mickey Mouse films. They're doing things for the world war efforts. And really, as a result of that tour, the uh, draft board really decided that, yeah, the war efforts were pretty crucial. And they needed to send back some of the drafted employees to the studios to help support this war effort.
0: yeah, yeah I thought that makes, was pretty cool. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. Cool.
1: Again, now this wasn't necessarily bringing funding. But at least it was kind of getting them out of the crisis of trying to struggle. They were still wanting to put efforts to Bambi, mm. but everything else like Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan um, uh, and was it Wind of the Willows was halted. Mm. So um, they just really kept Bambi as the one film that they were going to be working on, but and um, well, with limited
0: resources like they had at that time, you know, you, you, you gotta, you're like, look, let's throw everything at this one film. We'll, we'll put a pin in those other ones. And right. We'll get back to them when hopefully things stabilize a little bit.
1: Right, and so that's what kind of happened, right? When the war ended, you know, about four years later, they're like, okay, the war's done, and now we can try to get back to pre-war productions, but we don't have a lot in place. And so actually the only thing that really kept them afloat was the reissuance of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Pinocchio. Hmm. Otherwise they really didn't have anything ready to go. But this really got their juices going. They're like, what are we going to do cuz we're we're in need now. And so they started to think about well, how could they maybe expand, do something different. And they found out interestingly that they had over a million dollars in box office revenues over in England, hmm. but England had put into this because of the war, you know, ending that they wanted to revitalize their economy. So they said any monies received there had to be used there. Hmm. So they're like, hmm, okay, what do we do? You know, do we do animation studio over there as well? Um, but their distributor, RKO Radio, said, hey, we also have a ton of money over there. Why don't we collaborate and do a film? And that's what got live action kind of really ah, surfacing yeah, for sense. the Disney company. Because, mm-hmm. again, to animate a film, it takes a lot of time. And, yes, making a film does, too. But at least this way they have money doing it and and the other reason they decided not to do animation is uh over in england is you'd have to train you know animators or bring animators in and then you're not using the funds from there so it really wasn't practical but um it was a really great way to start into live action right do you remember what film was their first live action film
0: Mm, I know. I feel like a, I know I'm going to hate myself when you tell me <laughs> yeah. what it is. Yeah,
1: it's Treasure Island. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. So you know, Walt really felt this was a, a a film that Disney could make and put their name to. Um, but he also felt like the the author was native to Scotland, and that he had the opportunity to utilize uh, British actors. Mm. And here's a fun fact for you. Uh, according to Disney legend Bill Walsh in a 1973 interview, he said this, quote, in England, Walt discovered some of the great English actors like Peter Fitch, Sean Connery first, all made their debuts in Disney pictures in little bits. And yes. Sean Connery had his first leading role as Michael McBride in Walt Disney's Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Oh, wow. I know. That's
0: pretty interesting.
1: Right. So, I mean, think about kind of the trickle down, right? So you have the war happening, animator strike, no money, but money in England. Okay, live action, ta-da, Sean Connery. There you go, (laughs) boom. I know.
0: Con Connery owes it all to I know, right? There would be no Bond. There would be no Henry,
1: Dr. Henry Jones. Junior. Right. (laughs) Anyways, I thought that was kind of a a cute little find in in the uh, research there. Um, Another great addition that came out of doing Treasure Island um, was that they actually brought in for the first time the English artist and future Disney legend, Peter Ellenshaw. Oh. And I know you love his works, especially in Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. In his mats. Yeah, oh, that's like right.
0: That. Yeah, all his matte paintings. I mean, you pick them right out and they're they're stunning and beautiful. Right. But yeah, you look at it you're like, oh, that's a matte painting right yeah. there. But it's they're, they are so well done in, in, in those movies. Right, in, yeah. And many of his others as well. It's the volume
1: and still. Yes. <laughs> it's just like the volume. <laughs> Um it was there was a cute story I ran across um Ellen Shaw actually uh did a bi- autobiography, and so this is what he said about it um when he was invited he said he was contacted by the film's art director Tom uh, Moran and asked if he could do a f- and I'm doing air quotes few mats for Walt Disney you know someone had said to him you know you could do a few mats it might not be worth your time but what he thought is not worth my time, getting to work with Disney, even for a short while, would certainly be worth his time. This was to change his whole life. And yet it seemed a small job at the time.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know what, uh, what a matte painting is, uh, because it's, it's kind of something that's sort of gone by the wayside, but not really. Because, uh, you know, a lot of movies you see, we were just rewatching Free Guy the mm-hmm. other day, and there's a lot of that going on there, but now it's kind of been replaced by CG. So what you do is you shoot actors on set somewhere, you know, and so you may have a street level. Now, if you've ever gone to one of, like say Universal Studios Hollywood or some of these back lots, you'll see the buildings are not completed. They only go up so high, but you'll look at the actual movie and you'll see these tall buildings or whatever. Um, now they do that with CG mostly or the volume mm-hmm. as you were discussing at first, you know, some Star Wars and some other movies as well. Um, but back in the day, all this had to be done matte painting wise. So they would paint on glass uh, these backdrops and then they would put in, they'd have these areas that were cut out of it that were opened up. And that's where you would right. put the live action film in there. So, you know, if you ever watch, go back and re-watch Mary Poppins or whatever, you'll see Mr. Banks walking down a street and you'll see the backdrop of everything, of all these all buildings right. and smokestacks and everything else. They're very easy to tell uh, within um, Mary Poppins and, and not as much in some, necessarily some other movies, but very much in Mary Poppins. Um, but they, they are stunning paintings just on their own on this glass.
1: Right, right. And it just, it, it does lend a beautiful artistry i right. think to the film for sure
0: yeah. i i think it does it it, it adds some depth and he, yeah some 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 magic to it in you know in ways of showing
1: you know what london of the time right. kind of looks like right exactly you know so he he was then you know kept on and worked for decades with the company and um you know as i mentioned he he is most notably um recognized in Mary Poppins, he received the Academy Award actually for best visual effects in that film. So I wanted to share a couple crossover things that came as a result of doing live action. Um, and one of those actually came from, um, was discussed by Leonard Maltin. Um, and he said, one thing he, he meaning Walt, uh, may have contributed to the live action film that isn't widely recognized is the use of storyboards. He goes on to say, directors today routinely storyboard either their entire films or all of their action sequences. Disney, of course, had preferred the storyboard process, first in his short subjects and then in his animated feature films, but no one had really leaned on that technique for planning out a live-action film until he did. Yeah.
0: So, uh, Well, I mean, uh, yeah, and it's been picked up, and most, most places do that now. Most right.
1: studios... Uh, do
0: that when they're creating films. I'm not saying every film uses a storyboard, but most do. And, you know, not that Walt necessarily pioneered it, but I think he was one of the biggest advocates of it. He pioneered it for live
1: action. Right. I think Hitchcock was also dabbling at times with Mm -hmm. it, but Walt was really the one that brought it to live action films. Right. Yeah um but for him he felt Walt felt like this was the only way that he could conceptualize it in his Burbank studio and then send the producer off to England and feel comfortable he was going to get the film in the way he was expecting it so
0: i mean it makes a lot of sense i mean you want to kind of have someone to have the concept of especially you know the writer producer you know, how you want the director, the cinematographer, and everything right. to see how you expect this movie to kind of look. Exactly. And then they can tweak it on their own as, right. as well. Yeah. But right. it gives you a, a
1: road map, essentially, right. to what they are expecting from the That's film. That's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I have a couple other concluding statements. But before I get into that, I really wanted to encourage everybody something that uh, it was kind of a blend of live action and animation is a film called the Reluctant Dragon. Mm-hmm. And you can find it on Disney Plus. And I've seen it on there. I've never clicked play because I just thought it was a cartoon about this dragon and I, you know, we have so many other things to watch that I didn't but actually what it is is a tour of the Bur- Burbank Studios and showing you all the different part of making a film, it's mainly making an animated film here called The Reluctant Dragon. Um, it's a cute storyline. It's, it's somebody who goes there to, you know, kind of introduce to Walt that this book, The Reluctant Dragon, would be a great thing for Walt to link with and make a, a cartoon out of. But he, he ends up, before he gets to see Walt, going through like where the sound stage is and where all different parts of animation and, and the painting and everything. It, it's, it's really kind of cute. There are some things, you know, and, and when you go to hit play, it does that, hey, there was some cultural... Things that, Mm -hmm. you know, were not. may not be appropriate. They were appropriate then.
0: They're not appropriate now. Right,
1: right. And so, but they didn't, you know, want to say there was nothing of benefit from this. And so I encourage you to, you know, it's just one of those fun things that you can watch. I watched it today. Um, It's really cute. But the other thing about it is, and I'm showing Tom the picture now. I have not found anything in writing to say this, but I could really see the inspiration for Figment mm. with this character. You know, the the way the ears or or head things are set back, the kind of tail, um, even um like the stomach and some of the lines and everything. I mean he doesn't have he's not the same color purple. He's teal though. Um but I just to me it seems the cousin like, of Figment. Yeah. If if it wasn't a true like if the whoever came up with um, you know, Figment Somehow it had to be in their subconscious that they'd seen this <laughs> reluctant dragon. But um, again, it's something that came out in this time period in 1941. And and I do think it, it's, a, it's a fun way to be able to see how how they do create films, you know. And so I thought that was cute. Yeah, um, interesting. Oh, and, I'm, I've, I've never seen it, and
0: I may have to check it out now because I love that kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. And, you know, we've been to the Walt Disney right. Studios Um, Luckily enough that we've been able to visit there several times. And every time we're there, we're amazed that we're there. Exactly. Um, So I'd love to see that uh, for a film. Um, Obviously, if you get the chance to get to Burbank... And get a chance for whatever reason, um, D23, the, the uh, fan club, or the ultimate Disney fan club, right. is a great way to do it. But if you ever get the opportunity uh, to go to one of those events there, it's really, it, it as a Disney fan, There, there's nothing like it. Right, you know, right. Just getting to walk on that lot where there's oh, I know. so much history.
1: Yeah, and just the feeling, you know, like they, you know, once you're on the tour and they say this, you immediately connect with it where they say it's kind of like a college campus right. feel oh, and design. 100% yeah. for sure. right? But the th- um, the other thing that I was reading about this film that somebody pointed out, and I, I don't think I would have pointed it out. Walt is in it very briefly, but he is in it. But thinking of the time, okay, it's in 1941 that that film comes out. So filmed like in the for- 1940. Um, we're used to seeing... Walt or images of Walt, kind of like the grandfatherly type, right? From You know, um, when you think of Saving Mr. Banks, how, you know, he's portrayed in that, you know, his, that age group or whatever. This is a much younger Walt. This is a Walt like in his 40s and just kind of low-keyed. And it's just kind of fun to see that perspective of wall again he's only in for a second but i I just like when i was watching it and he they were getting ready to to view a filming and you know he goes to sit and he puts his his leg up under his other leg i mean it's just very casual Hmm. you know of somebody who's the head of this big company (laughs) yeah i just thought it was it was really kind of kind of cute yeah that's nice so um you know so I guess, you know, looking back uh, in in summation of, you know, kind of how we got to this new line of live action and and how it kind of came about, um, you know, you can kind of say, well, it's really because of the war, you know, that really kind of pushed that to happen. Not to say that it would never have happened. I think Walt had had some thoughts of doing live action, Um, but there was, to me, a uh, kind of a little sadness in, in doing this research that I that I found and and kind of understood where the some of the sadness came from for Walt, um, you know, and it's I think it's still prevalent today that audiences think of a Disney movie as a kids movie, you know, and someone say the last CEO thought it was a kids movie, <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> you know, and that. Um, You know, it kind of influences audiences. I mean, even Julie Andrews, when she was first approached to play Mary Poppins, her good friend, who was Carol Burnett, she called her and she said, should I go work for Walt Disney? You know, that cartoon man. Mm. And so I, I think this kind of perception or the expectation even to have animation within live action really started to, you know, disappoint Walt that he couldn't have that, you know, he felt frustrated and actually, uh, after screening to kill a mockingbird, he, he told somebody, he said, that's the kind of film I'd like to make, but I can't, mm. you know? So, you know, it is kind of sad that, um, you know, back at that time, especially and, and sometimes lingering that perception of Disney films, you know, I mean, fortunately I think he did get into some things with the live action, um, animals on Mm -hmm. television and things like that that people saw life adventure right right you know but overall in the two decades following the the release of um treasure island throughout walt's life until he passed away he was able to oversee the production of over 50 live action films so um, maybe has that little disappointment, but it's still nonetheless um, successful and viewed not just as an American uh, film producer, but also a uh, European. Yeah, um, amazing and some amazing films. Some really, yeah.
0: really great films, uh, you know, say what you want. I mean, Mary Poppins won major Academy right. Awards, you know, right. so yeah. um, maybe it's not To Kill a Mockingbird, right. but, right. you know, it was a major, not only a financial hit, but a critically acclaimed hit as well, and a well-awarded.
1: Right. And I'm sure it wasn't one that just weighed on him all the time. It's, you know, when you think of Walt and Roy, they weren't types to get into boxes, you know, that they when they saw themselves, the walls coming in, they came up with a new idea. I think this was one that Walt was struggling with overcoming. Right. But not that he always... I think he wanted to do some, obviously... Uh, more family or child-relatable re- kind of films. But
0: that- and, you know, eventually Disney would, you know, they they would mm-hmm. start Touchstone, right. you know, which was that kind of that branch off mm. to kind of be Disney but not really Disney. Right. So some of these more adult, right. not, not adult, but you know what I mean, yeah. you know, more, yeah. more f- films that were focused on adults, you right. know, maybe a little bit more edgy, you know, be able to have an R rating here and there or right. whatever, you know. Um, they had this other off a studio that they could uh, they could sure. go for some of these movies eventually. In right. Past Walt's days, of course.
1: Right, right. I remember one time somebody saying, "Yeah, that's um, they want Touchstone wanted people to know that they were Disney, but not remember they were Disney. Right, kind exactly. of thing. Know that they would have the quality of Disney Company, but not be that childish." Right kind of films yeah. yeah and I don't think
0: Walt necessarily had the ability at that point he may have eventually if he unfortunately right. he, he died way too early yeah um, he may have eventually been able to put together you know another studio and done exactly <laughs> that right, but, right. Um, it was good that they were able to eventually um, spin off to that behind um, you know um, Eisner I think was right. the, the, main, the main person driving that one right right
1: yeah so but anyways to kind of recap in the 40s you know, obviously, a world war is going to have an impact on a lot of companies. Um, but as we saw with this company, that they really were able to explore, touch on other avenues of revenue, and really begin a new way of telling yeah. stories. Yes, uh, and that's
0: great stuff. And yeah, uh, I, I it, it can continues to this day as right. we talked about. Exactly. So, you know, what do you do? You, you, know, you hit some hard times. Sometimes you got to pivot and that's exactly right. what the Walt Disney Company did. Right. Pivoted exactly. And um, was very successful for it. So right. very good job, Michelle. Hello. I always learn interesting stuff. Thank you oh, so much. Sweet. You Thank always you. bring some wonderful new information to me oh. that I've never knew. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that uh, little uh, spin looking at uh, that period kind of where, you know, a world in turmoil kind of move Disney in a different direction. Thank you, sweetheart. I love the work you're doing on this Disney at 100 series. Uh, Uh, You are always... Your research is always spectacular and I always find it fascinating. And I think that that was a really interesting time for the Walt Disney company for
1: sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for your kind compliment. Hopefully all of you listeners enjoyed it too. Uh, love to hear your feedback. If And if there's a, again, we always say this, if there's a particular uh, topic, you'd like us to do a deep dive, let us know. Yeah. Michelle loves the deep dive. Yeah. She's always doing the deep dive. She's got her <laughs>
0: mask and snorkel ready to go. <laughs> Let's get to the Disney stories of the week. I do have a few for you this week. I'm going to start with, we have dates for what many people consider to be the most beautiful Epcot festival. I think we are among Mm -hmm. those. This from the Disney Parks blog. They said there is nothing lovelier than springtime at Walt Disney World. And one of the best places to experience spring for yourself is at the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to begin on March 1st and continue all the way through July 5th. It's a good, long festival, so you'll have plenty of opportunities to get out there for it. This stunning festival features alluring gardens, whimsical topiaries, lively entertainment, beautiful merchandise, and delightfully fresh cuisine. Also, for the first time, and this is really, I'm very excited about this, topiaries of Mirabel Antonio Isabella and Luisa from Disney's Encanto will make a grand appearance at the festival. They'll be located near the Epcot main entrance. And these new topiaries are sure to be a must do photo moment to mark your visit. And don't, don't forget, we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> although everybody talks about Bruno. Right.
1: Now that's going to be, the joke. yeah, like you're, it is. And you're right, it's the really the most beautiful um, festival that Epcot sponsors. Yeah. I know it runs close. Second has the art festival, but anyways, um, it's exciting that they're gonna have those topiaries because as it is, those um, the attire that those characters wear is very colorful, so it just fits and it'll be fantastic well i mean especially isabella you know she's just you know creating flowers at a whim you know so i mean rows and rows
0: of roses yes so she fits right into the flower and garden (laughs) yes that's a good point yeah i just love more i want to see more in canto in the park um i'm a big fan as you know i know you're a big Mm -hmm. fan um i want to see it it, embraced as much as possible right Uh, right. and so i'm glad that i mean it's just a little thing and it's temporary but it's something and that's nice cool yeah For sure. Uh, They said that's not all. A new princess, Tiana Topiary, will grace the American adventure. Plus, of course, they'll have the returning favorites as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, Captain Hook, and TikTok the Croc.
1: All right. Uh,
0: Figment, Anna and Elsa, which I always love, (laughs) posing next to, and more. Also, the popular Garden Rocks concert series will be back featuring favorite tunes at the american gardens theater Uh, they'll have more details about the musical lineup for that coming up soon i'm sure there'll be dining packages along with that and they'll have 15 outdoor kitchens which will offer specialty menus of scrumptious cuisine and beverages i mean what's an epcot festival without food to try as we're gonna find out again tomorrow yes
1: well and what's great is that they do add new dishes when they come back Uh, and and keep some of the old favorites they bring
0: back favorites and they add new things all the time and um yeah i i really think you know the festival of the everybody knows about the food and wine festival Mm -hmm. and how great the food is there but i really think that they've upped the game and the the food game i think for the festival of the arts the food game has been really good for a while and people have just kind of more discovered it over the last few years um i think the flower and garden Festival for a while was more about the topiaries. Right, and it should yes. still be about the topiaries, right. but I think they definitely have made the food game uh, for that uh, festival
1: even better in recent years right. as well. I agree with you. I agree with you, and I like how they tie in the theming of gardening and you know food related mm-hmm. to gardening and things like that. Yeah. So. Really
0: good. Very much looking forward to We're going to have many chances to get to that festival since it goes from March to July. So yeah, I was going to say, did you to, give the
1: dates? I don't remember. Yeah,
0: uh, March 1st again through July 5th. That's right. Yeah. yeah so right after the 4th of July it wraps up and then they'll probably have like two days break and then they'll need to the Food and Wine
1: Festival <laughs> because there really is no time without a festival at Epcot anymore. It just, it's so rare to walk in there like what? Is that a festival going on? I know. I think it's, it's one of those things that if you're trying to target for that that's going to be your challenge right. so that's kind of funny. <laughs> Our challenge is like you know there's
0: some great restaurants that we really want to try when we go to Epcot but there's always a festival going on and we always want to sample all the festival right. food so maybe that one will be long enough that we will have sampled enough of the festival food that by the end of it we can start going to some of the other restaurants we've been trying to hit for a while.
1: Exactly. And you know, the fact that we could make day trips. Right. Hopefully we'll do a little more frequent and get that. For sure. Yeah. For sure.
0: Moving on, speaking of Epcot, you may notice a change the next time you drive to visit Mm -hmm. the park. This again from the Disney Parks blog. They say the transformation taking place at Epcot right now is expanding beyond the theme park. For the moment, from the moment you arrive, you will be greeted with a redesigned Auto Plaza marquee, which will be coming later this month. Mm-hmm. They've taken down the big sales that are on there now. They're going to change that around a little bit. It'll be yeah. interesting to see what that final prod, uh, what the final product is right. of that. Uh, and as of Friday, just this last couple days mm-hmm. ago, new character-themed parking lots will introduce you to some of the heroes mm-hmm. and sidekicks who represent the concepts that live in Epcot. The entire lot has now been divided into two themes, the Earth side and the space side. Within these two sides, um, they've chosen to feature a variety of familiar characters, including Crush and Dory from mm-hmm. Finding Nemo, right. Finding Dory. Uh, Heihei and Moana, of course, right. from Moana. Rocket and Gamora from the Guardians of the Galaxy. And Wally and Eve from, of course, Wally. Right which is makes me very happy because I want to see more Wally and Eve in the I park there has, it's amazing that they're they they have not embraced that right more. I yeah. mean, the only thing I can think of even really is that they have like some statues of Wally and Eve at Disneyland Paris right and they're just really having you know yeah. such a good movie and they're just it there just isn't any IP anywhere right. within the, the parks that's and it's too point. bad it's yeah, a shame
1: that that really is i mean even in you know considering it's a pixar film over in pixar pier yeah you know i mean i think there's
0: a little bit in a, like some of the games yeah
1: um, uh right right some of the arcade but games, they just it just uh, doesn't
0: games. really it just doesn't you know and it's it's yeah. a shame and i i want to see more of that and so yes. hopefully um, someone will look to embrace that and put it somewhere. I mean, you know, something with Mission Space or Space. Right. I would love to see when you go into Space 220 and then Wally and Eve go dancing. Oh, yeah, or right? You know, that would be awesome. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be um, something like that. It could be simple, um, but I would love to see something like that. That would be, be so embraced. cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I love it. um It's interesting that these went up so quickly because we were just in the Epcot parking lot. <laughs> A week ago, right, and those weren't anywhere no, to be seen. No, so no. they went up really, really quickly. So it's gonna be cool to see those when we go park there uh, here in uh, the next day.
1: Yeah, and I, I love the theming of it. Yeah, I think they didn't. I, I, the artwork I, I, looks good. Yeah, it does, and and I'm happy with it. And you know, remember, and here's just an extra tip: is you have that parking, uh, the app, the on the app, you yeah. can remember where you parked. Right.
0: You can always remember I'm at Wally 306 or right. something. Yeah, so um, oh. I, don't quote me on those numbers. I have no idea where they're <laughs> actually located, but um, yeah, looking forward to checking that out for sure. Uh, moving on to Disney Cruise Line, uh, they shared a few more details about their big anniversary celebration coming up. Yes, we're all talking about Disney 100 mm-hmm. this year, but yeah, Disney Cruise Line is celebrating its silver anniversary, right. 25 years. As an entity. Uh, this again to them from the Disney Parks blog. They say Disney Cruise Line is turning 25 this summer. And then from dazzling new entertainment offerings and family activities to inspired menu items and a themed merchandise collection. There is so much to look forward to on board all five ships from May through September of 2023. So make note of that. Um, even though this whole year is kind of a celebration. Right. The real celebration will be taking place. During the summer from right. May to September on those cruises. Right. So they say uh, with the official celebration beginning in just a few months, DCL reveal more details about the brand new magic you can experience during the silver anniversary at sea. That's what they're calling it. So... Uh, the, so one of the new things they're going to have is a brand new nighttime show on board the ship. Wow. Uh, the 90 in 1998, Disney cruise line made history as the first cruise line to ever produce fireworks show at sea. And in the 25 years since fireworks has remained a quintessential part of a Disney cruise line experience. Well, the night sky will shine even brighter this summer as a shimmering new fireworks display premieres on select silver anniversary at sea itineraries. It's created in honor of the Disney Cruise Line's 25th anniversary, and this limited, limited time evening extravaganza will uphold the cherished Disney tradition of fireworks and honor Disney's continuing legacy of adventure. The dazzling spectacle will be set to the tunes of iconic, beloved Disney music, and uh, anchoring the show will be a brand new signature song created especially for the silver anniversary. It's wow. soon. Yeah,
1: that's fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely want to
0: do that. Yeah, we need to figure out how we can book one of these cruises because we have some things going on. I don't know if it'll be easy to do, but maybe we <laughs> can get a three-nighter or something. We need to figure something out. Right. Uh, the 25th anniversary fireworks show will be featured on most uh, Bahamian caribbean and mediterranean cruises this summer so if you're looking to do it that doesn't sound like alaska will be right. part of it so oh, yeah yeah uh, know that going in right. if you're booking an alaska cruise this summer they may be having some celebration but this that sounds like they won't be doing the fireworks sure. on those. that kind of
1: makes sense right. um
0: meanwhile there will also be a a captain's reception at least a, a new updated version of Mm -hmm. the captain's reception they've been doing that for years aboard disney cruise line well
1: on the longer cruises yeah
0: so they've been doing that on the longer cruises well they say here in honor of our silver anniversary at sea they're reimagining this time honored event into a -a one-of-a-kind celebratory experience adding an extra dose of magic to sailings this summer so Mm -hmm. it sounds like they're going to be doing this on all their Uh, silver anniversary at sea cruises nice on one evening each cruise guest will be invited to join their ship's captain and cruise director in the atrium for an anniversary toast the festive affair will feature appearances from captain mickey mouse and captain Minnie mouse dressed for the occasion in their shimmering new looks of course and a delightful rendition of the silver anniversary at sea theme song
1: oh i love it yeah yeah
0: and and a quick tip about that the, the Captain's Reception is always a wonderful place to grab a free cocktail. That's right. Yes. Because they almost are always passing out free cocktails down there. They may be very watered down cocktails. (laughs) But still. But still, it's free. (laughs) So enjoy it. Take advantage of that. Uh, also, this was the most exciting part of the celebration to me, mm-hmm. make, which makes me more inspired that we need to book one of these things.
1: Frozen. Uh, <laughs>
0: no, it's actually not. But oh. it is really cool. All Castaway Club members who sail during the Silver Anniversary at sea this summer will receive a limited edition framed art print in their stateroom to commemorate the once-in-a-lifetime celebration while supplies last. Mm. The design was created by Disney artist Joe Kaminsky, whose work is featured in the art of Disney galleries, Disney resort hotels, and Disney Cruise Line ships. Uh, You will get one 11 by 14 framed print per stateroom for, again, Castaway Club members. So you have to have sailed aboard a Disney cruise before this. Right. right. You will become a Castaway Club member after your cruise, right. but you won't be before going in. So this is just for those who are silver, gold, platinum, and I guess eventually Pearl, pearl. when yeah. they announce that. So, yeah. um, very cool. And that is like, I mean, all this stuff sounds great, but that right there is like, yeah. whoa, how do yeah. we get one of those? Right, want right. one of those. Yeah.
1: That'll, that would be really cool. Well, we'll have to figure out Early, like May, before yeah. the supply runs out. To, yeah, we need to start booking a, a three-night. Yeah. And, and
0: that could finish out because we're doing the wish here in a week. That's We true. could do the dream. That's true. No, the dream's not doing three nights anymore. It isn't. Uh, we'll figure it out. Yes. Well, look, I, I don't think the dream is doing three nights anymore. Um, now they're sailing out of uh, Canaveral. Oh. I mean, um, out of uh, I mean, Port Everglades. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I'll take a look. We'll, we'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Yeah, could be my we'll birthday cruise uh, or something. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's a good point. Michelle's Alex has the best <laughs> points. Um, yeah, we're going to need to look at... Hey, Nate. Nate with Main Street and more travel. Yeah. Uh, you may be hearing a getting a call from us soon. <laughs> just letting you know. Uh, moving on to one more quick story. A couple of guest favorite character meetups are set to return to the Walt Disney World Resort. This was just a quick note from Disney Park Social Media. They said... More character experiences are returning to magic kingdom. Get ready to step into the library with enchanted tales with Belle, beginning they're returning on February 19th and head back under the sea at Ariel's grotto beginning on January 22nd. I've always heard such wonderful things about enchanted tales with Belle, and yet we've never done it. Um, We may have to look into doing that sometime soon. Yeah.
1: I think one time I was with Scott and we, we kind of looked at it, you know, but it wasn't something he was into ready to go into. Right. So I kind of saw it. it looked cute. Yeah. I've heard nothing but
0: great things right. about it, how it's, it's such a fun experience. We may have to look into doing that very soon
1: once yeah. it returns here. Yeah. You said early. January 22nd for both?
0: Uh, February 19th oh, for Enchanted Jan- Tales with Belle. January 22nd for Ariel's Grotto. So tomorrow's Ariel's Grotto. That's true. Yes. Or the day this or Actually, today. <laughs> tomorrow. Today. Yesterday, whenever you're a week ago, whenever you're listening to this, (laughs) it's on February. It's, it's, it's starting on Sunday, January 22nd. So yes, 2023. So I very cool. Anyway, that's it for the Disney stories of the week. However, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. When we do this, we always start with Michelle because you want another peek into that mind of hers. (laughs) You already heard her best research. You know, she has the best list, but she definitely, absolutely, no question about it, has the very best tips. So let's get to it. Here's Michelle's tip
1: of the week. Oh, you're so kind. Um, this one's actually a very small tip, um, but it ha- it's relating to uh, DVC resorts, whether you're a DVC member or just staying at one of the villas or, um, you know, paying for it to stay at one of the villas. But um, if you want a teapot, like if you prefer tea in the morning, or maybe you prefer Keurig versus the, you know, regular drip uh, coffee pots, you can ask at check-in at the resort. Um, and most times they can accommodate that request. Now, maybe not every time, um, but most times they can. So... If that's something that you're really looking forward to during your stay, uh, give it a try. That's good. Coffee is very important
0: to many people. That's true. We see the lineups at Starbucks. We see the lineups at Joffrey's. Uh, (laughs) Coffee is very important. It's good to get it started off right in your resort room and the way you want it as best you can. uh, Right.
1: Especially, you know, if, if you're just there and you just like want the Keurig for convenience, you know, especially if you're in a, one of the studios or whatever. Um, or like I said, a teapot. A uh, teapot wouldn't be yeah. in the studios no. because they don't but have... If you have a um, but with a kitchen? Yeah, yeah. And you know how I love my tea. My I know how you love tea. your tea. You, it has to be loose tea. If anybody's <laughs> buying her a <laughs> present ever, don't give her any of that bag stuff.
0: Needs, she's a snob. It <laughs> must tea be loose tea. I don't care if you like get the bags and cut them open and <laughs> present it to her. It must be loose tea. Again, another peek into the mind of Michelle. Funny.
1: <laughs> a tea connoisseur is yes, like what I you think. Are. you are. very much. Very so much. I guess we're ready for your tip. Yes,
0: I guess so. Well, my tip will not nearly be as great because, well, I've been working for the last several days, so I didn't really <laughs> have time to think about a good tip. So I'm going to go by the old standby tip. And that is just, look I know, oh. look, oh, no, that's yours. Again, still better than mine. Um, you know, even though it's, seems chilly around. As a matter of fact, when we were epcot last week it was darn right cold yeah uh, that still doesn't mean that you don't need to hydrate when you go to the parks That's you know you may not think about it like when you're out and it's hot and you're sweating and everything right a lot of times you're thinking about that it's important to go ahead and get some water in me to get some more beverages right. in me um, but when it's cold you may not think about it but it's just as important for you're still you know you going through it and your right. body still needs that hydration and it's easy to forget about it as you're going through the parks and you're you're you know, you're doing your thing and you're just not thinking about taking in the beverage, you're having some water here and there, maybe you're having a, a cocktail, maybe you're having a beer or whatever. Right, Those right don't help you as much as much. They don't help you. (laughs) They make it worse. Um, so be sure you bring some water along with you or, um, you can just go to any quick service place and just ask for a cup of water. They will give them to you free. No, absolutely no charge. Yeah. I'm seeing
1: Um, more and more have actual like a stand
0: that has ready to go that you can just go get it yourself. Um, so believe me, it's so important for you, for your body in general, to keep your energy up, um, and to fight off, you know, keep your immunity level up, you know, as you're going right. to these parks, you don't get that, you know, post trip illness that we all get it from time to time, right, you know, right. because you just worn yourself thin. Um, hydration helps that in so many ways.
1: Yeah. And especially if you have real little ones too, that's yeah. even more so that you might not, you know, I mean, obviously if you have an infant you're feeding with a bottle, but I mean, if you just have, you know, younger kids that you might get so distracted with what's all that's going on that you don't automatically right. think about it. And you know, they can be affected by dehydration as well. Yeah. So. It's,
0: it's extremely important. So please, please, please hydrate when you go to the parks and just hydrate in life in general. It's just a good thing for your
1: body. That's true.
0: Yep. So that's it for this week's show. Next week, well, we'll be recapping our two Epcot visits in just over a week. Yeah. So we'll be talking a lot about some of the fun and, more importantly, the food that we sampled yeah. while we were at the Epcot International Festival of the Arts. And so it was we- hard not to talk about the, what we've already tried. Know, we wanted to. Michelle really wanted to this week. I'm like, no, we're going back. Let's, <laughs> let's save it up. We've got some more stuff to sample. I, know we, I have some more things on my list that I want to check out. <laughs> So we're looking forward to checking that out. And we're probably connecting with one of our good friends. Yeah, we're I'm hoping there, that all works out. We're excited about yeah. it as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll tell you all about it on next week's show. As for today's show, we appreciate that you join us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. So the very best place to find us is on our own website, com. Also, please follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast facebook instagram and pinterest at hyperion adventures podcast and be sure to join up with our good positive disney energy fund that we're having on our hyperion
1: adventurers facebook group right and if you like this podcast we'd love to hear from you whether you send us an email or better yet a a review a five-star review and rating would be greatly appreciated yes it
0: helps in so many ways and yes that uh, email it's our gmail account Podcast at gmail.com we love hearing from you there but yes if you can take the time and give us a review even just a rating a five-star rating but a review would be fantastic and of course we will read your review right here on the show um but even simpler than that just tell a friend tell a family mm-hmm. member look this is right. a this is a fun show that we think you'd enjoy why don't you come on and listen with us and maybe you'll have another Hyperion Adventurer out there. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we get that from our son Scott.
1: That's right. <laughs> that's, how
0: <he> says it. <laughs> that's right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week. Bye. That's right.